Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Xvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. Did you know that only 13% of salespeople worldwide think they get helpful coaching from their sales leaders, but 83% of the leaders of these reps think they are awesome at coaching? Head to xvoyant.com for the world's largest sales leadership resource center. Discover best practices in sales leadership, common pitfalls to avoid, and learn how to become a legendary sales leader with every rep on your team. Xvoyant will help you move past focusing only on your number and is your partner to start building a dominant sales dynasty. The Xvoyant team will show you how your one-on-ones can drive purpose-driven activities in a way that will create new normals with every single rep on your team. If you don't have a plan on how you can help every rep on your team improve by at least 10%, Xvoyant can help you create a sales dynasty faster than you ever thought possible. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we've got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by Mike Lockhart, Chief Revenue Officer for Simplis. Simplis is a platinum Salesforce partner and a provider of transformation services, including quote-to-cash implementations, advisory, implementation, change management, and other services. Simplis helps Salesforce users make complex things simple with over 2,000 clients worldwide. I've had the opportunity to watch Mike team's, Mike's team work for a couple of years now, and I have been super impressed with his team's growth of over 300% each year. I am so fired up to have Mike join our show and share with us how they've been able to build one of the highest-performing, fastest-growing consultative sales teams in the world. Mike, thank you so much for joining me, and welcome to the show. Rob, thanks, man. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. I'm excited to uh, spend some time with you. Yeah, we've we've uh, we've had some good times watching uh, some some NCAA basketball games together. You you actually converted me to the to the Tigers in the most recent run, and and what I learned is not only do we have a love for uh, fast uh, growing sales teams, we love a, we we share a love for fast uh, scoring basketball teams, don't we? Yeah, there's no doubt about it, man. That was a great day watching the <laughs> Auburn Tigers whoop up on Kansas. Uh, that was a a very enjoyable day. I'll leave it at that. That was fun, and uh, and and sadly, my my Tar Heels did not fare much better later on, did they? So I'm sorry to say that. But <laughs> it, was a, it was a great day. So absolutely, man. I'm excited to be here. This is uh, this will be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Simplis, and and Simplis is blowing up right now. You you guys have created a killer company. You're helping Salesforce users transform their companies very literally. I want to start the show today by having you introduce Simplest to our listeners and and really have helped them kind of understand at a high level where you guys fit. Sounds good. I'd, I'd love to, man. I love the opportunity to do that. Um, you know, you you did a great introduction of of who we are. You know, we are Platinum Salesforce partner, but uh, most importantly, what we like to say is we do a great job making complex things simple. I mean, it's 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 really that simple. 
we take and we sit down with customers that have purchased Salesforce and we understand and try to make, you know, their business better. And we try to make it, it, you know, where they look at it and it's extremely hard and they look at it as a huge puzzle where we can take it and say, listen, it's not that tough. What's the end goal? How do we get there? And we're going to help you take you through that transformation. And that's what we spend our time doing. Yeah. And, and what I love is um, you really sit down with, you know, whoever it is, whether it's sales cloud, marketing cloud, uh, service cloud, you help them say you're more than, let's take the technology that you hope you got. That's one of the things I love when I met you and also when I talked uh, to your co-founder. People buy the technology many times hoping that they're at the finish line when they buy it. Right. What you help them realize is you're at the starting line and we're going to make sure that you finish the race the way you want to finish it. Is that, is that a fair way to say it? That is exactly to say it, the, the best way to say it. Because when you sit down with a customer and they buy technology and they think, hey, I'm going to plug this thing in, turn it on, and my world's going to change, it's not that simple. And uh, we want to help make it simple. And, and uh, so we spend the time with customers in advance, going through uh, analysis, going through advisory with them. We sit down and we make sure that they have a change management program in place to make sure that the investment that they make can really succeed. Um, we take time making sure that if it needs to be customized, we'll do that. However, we want to make sure that it's, it's as much out of the box as possible so that it continues to be simple and you can make changes on the fly and make it the most uh, a profitable purchase that you've ever made. And uh, that's what we, we really spend our time in. We also have ways of making sure that we're there long-term with managed services program to make sure that you get the most bang for your buck um, out of the Salesforce product, but, uh, but that you're doing it in a way that can make your business better. All right, so let's, let's pause here for a minute because I'm, I'm really excited to get into how, you, how your team has grown. I think people are going to be blown away with the way that you've been able to help them grow, your team grow at over at 300%. It's not because you're a startup and you're going from zero to $300. I mean, you guys are doing big stuff growing yeah. at 300%. I, I can't wait to get into that, but I want to back up a minute. I want to hit rewind. Let's get into our hot tub time machine here for a second. And I want to like share with our listeners, how did you get started in sales and, and ultimately had that lead you at simplest? If you could just very quickly share a little bit about your journey. Uh, our listeners always find it really interesting. What leads these great leaders to the opportunity to lead the teams they have? That, uh, that sounds good. I mean, and, and Rob, we talked, I mean, I could talk about this for, for days and days, but, uh, but I've carried a bag my entire career, uh, since I graduated from Northern Iowa. I mean, even before then, when, uh, we had a small retail clothing store in small town, South Dakota. And, uh, you know, I started carrying a bag at that time with my dad going to markets and, and learning how to sell. And, uh, when I went through college, I uh, had some great, uh, mentors there. But then after college, you got directly right into the sales business, carrying a bag from, from Wallace Computer Services to ADP and then back into the start, really into the startup business with Cloud Sherpas and then into Accenture and then where I am today. But it was all those, always about, even in the days back at Wallace, selling paper, for lack of a better term. And it, but it was about understanding the customer's business. How do you take a, and this is going to go really old school on you, but taking an interleaf, the carbon interleaf form, and how do you take that into different, different parts of the business and make sure that you understand their, their processes? That really taught me how to sit down, understand a customer, understand their problems, and make sure that we could come up with a solution because that's the only way that you could differentiate yourself. So that's really where I spent all my time is, is from there, then getting into the hardware and software systems of the world and doing it through ADP, working with car dealerships, and and, uh, and then, like I said, getting into this wonderful world of, of the Salesforce ecosystem and professional services. At the end of the day, and I'm telling you, Rob, nothing has changed over the years. In 28, 29 years of selling, it's still about talking to a customer, understanding what their needs are, and making sure that you can solve their problems. It's that easy. 
I love it. I love your story. I relate to your story. I love the term carry to bag because I think there's a lot of people that are new to sales that have only seen inside sales. They don't even know what that means. So you're speaking to me when you say carry the bag, man. I I love it. Yep. It's fun stuff. Okay. So let's come back into, to now that you brought us up to who you are. I love your story. When I first met Simplest, I was meeting to your CEO and founder, Ryan Westwood's total stud. Love that guy. Love what you guys have built there. And as I got to meet him, one of the first things he said to me was that Simplest had, and I'm going to quote, I got like air quotes going over here on the other microphone now, a Cadillac sales team. I thought, (laughs) that's "That's pretty cool, right? Okay. I'm glad that he likes his team. But I'm like, okay, I work with teams around the world. I'll be interested to meet this dude. And as I met you, what I learned very quickly, Mike, is he was not exaggerating. So I want to start there. What are some of the things that are part of your kind of bag of tricks or your blueprint that helps you build the very best team in your space? Man, that is a, that's a very open-ended question, Rob. You're good at that. Um, yes, but, sir. Yes. But you know what I have found over the years is um, that one of the most important things that you can do as a sales leader is, is not come off as that leader. You know, you want to come off as, as being that person that's willing to get down in the trenches, understand what your reps are going through every day, and making sure that you've got a plan in place to help them succeed. And, and I think that's what I've done my whole life is, is about building relationships with your team and then making sure that, that we can all succeed together. And that's always the first step. I mean, I remember when I first came here to Simplest, you know, Ryan came to me and he said, Mike, you've been here like 30 days. You haven't said but 10 words. And I said, well, because I'm learning, I got to understand this place first before I even open my mouth. And so that's what it's about. It's about understanding the culture. It's about understanding the people that are around you um, and not just in the sales team, but the people that support you and the people you work with every day. And that's that's what makes a company great. It's a culture you put together and that you're part of. Okay, so I'm writing down notes here. So hold on. Okay. I wrote down three things that you just said. And these are my words, not yours. The first thing you talked about was what I call staying off the pedestal. One of my leadership uh, principles that I I I uh, I love is leaders on pedestals. They just make easy targets. And uh, and I love how you said I try not to be the leader. I always try to be the helper. I I love that. Second thing I wrote down is that you have this attitude that sounds to me like you diagnose before you prescribe. You you listen, 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 then talk. And then the last one I wrote down is culture. And that, that you're in charge of culture of those three, which one of those do you think has been the one that's kind of helped you most as you've been able to attract and develop a, a really high performing team? You know what? Um, I'd like to say it's culture, but I'm going to say that it's, it's not because culture is kind of a buzzword, but it's also, it's, well, it's really an important buzzword. Don't get me wrong. But to me, it's, it's about listening first. And it, it even goes back to sales calls, right? If you're not listening to your customers, you're not going to understand where you need to go next. It's the same thing when you're building a team. If you're not listening to what your team and what you want to do to start developing that plan, you know, from day one, all that it is, it's going to be another Mike Locker plan. It's not going to be a simplest plan. It's not going to be a plan that we can put together and grow a company on. And to me, that's one of the most important things. So before I get kind of, I want to dive into a little bit, a little bit more on this. Anything besides those three things that kind of make up your leadership blueprint? Or is there any other kind of top of mind stuff that you'd you know, throw in there that we can dive into before I kind of round that off? One of the things that I always I always talk about when because I interview lots of people and I you know I bring people and people always talk about man what 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 are you all about? And I always talk about to me it's the most important thing that I do are two things. One, it's it's I understand what it takes for our sales team to succeed to be successful. 
I want to understand what that is. And then the second thing that I do is I'll tear down anything, anything that gets in the way um, for them to succeed. That That's my job. I have two things, understand what it takes and to tear down the stand, any wall that gets in front or anything that, that keeps them from succeeding. And if I can do those two things, man, our, our, I don't care what I'm selling, our team's going to succeed. Well, I would say that all of those things are what creates that culture that you talked about then. Yep. Yeah. That, yeah. I so dig like it. I said, culture is important, but culture is like a, you know, it's a subset of all those, all those other things that you do, listening and doing right placement and, and understanding what your team needs. All right. So you said something earlier that I want to push pause and start to go into a little bit because I, I believe what you just said and I don't hear this said very much. So I want to explore this a little bit. I think our, our listeners are going to enjoy this. At least I hope. You just said that what you do as a leader isn't really that different than what the reps do with the prospects. And I don't hear that very often. I almost always hear, oh, it's totally different being a leader than being a rep. And it is. But the core skills that make you great as a rep are the same core skills that will make you great as a leader. I believe that a great rep should identify what a, what a prospect wants and then help them get there. And yeah. a great leader should identify what the rep wants to achieve and help them get there as well. That's why I think the skill sets are more similar than people give credit for. Can you yeah. talk about that a little bit? Because I loved how you brought that up. No, absolutely. And, you know, when I first started and became a sales leader, and, and I know there's some mentors out there that are probably laughing right now listening to me, man, but I, I tried to go out and do it all myself. I figured, hey, I'm now in charge of the sales team. If, if we're going to get a deal done, I'm going to have to go do it, right? And yeah. I learned right off the bat that there, dude, there's no way you can do that. There's not enough time in the world. You can't, you can't scale. You can't do everything. You don't have the energy to do those things. So one of the things that I've really spent, even with my other leaders that I coach and mentor to now, is, is about – Making sure you understand where your, where your reps are and what they need to do, but coach them so that they understand the next steps and put a process in place so that you don't have to go through the whole sales cycle with them to understand where they're at, but you understand just by where they're at in the sales cycle, you know the steps that they're taking. So you can already know in advance what's the next thing we should be talking about today so that you're not wasting time. And, um, to me, those are, those are very important things because as a sales leader, you can't do it all. And, but at the same time, you have to be able to listen to your clients and listen, I'm sorry, listen to your, your uh, reps to yep. make sure that you understand what they have to do to make sure that they can do the things that you want done. Yeah. I love that, man. I, and so it's, uh, you used a word that I, I dig and you know, a little, you know what we do and, and that we're about coaching. You talked about coaching there, coaching your leaders so they can coach the reps. Any, any thoughts about that? And we've talked a ton about coaching, but I think you're the first one to talk about coaching leaders, you know, coaching the coaches. Yeah. You brought that up and, and that's new for our, our show. You're the first one to bring that up. Any thoughts around best practices or what makes you successful in coaching coaches so they can be the kind of leader to their reps that you've learned you need to be in order to have a, a really high performing team? You know, Rob, one of the things I'm going to say right here is, is I may say things like that. That doesn't mean that I do them all the time and I'm perfect. <laughs> right? so, oh, come on, man. I don't believe that. That just slipped and came out accidentally. No, but it's, but you know, you do spend time because you know, as you, as you continue to move up in the sales structures, right, you, the further you get away from your customers, the harder it is. And, and it drives me crazy that I haven't been on a sales call in a week. Right. And, but <laughs> you have to sit and you have to talk to your leaders more be, and, and what you have to find out is when you're listening to them and you know, you're asking the same questions to them as you know, that you would be asking one of their sales reps. And so you, and if they don't have a good answer, maybe it's because you haven't coached them correct to get the right answer. And so that's where I always take a step back and say, listen, guys, are we, are we not understanding this deal because we haven't asked the right questions? 
are we not understanding because we haven't done the right things? And so I always want to make sure that, you know, that we're moving in the right direction. But I also make sure that I, you know, I ask them the kind of the reverse thing too. What are the things that are roadblocking you today? What can I do? What can I change to make sure that we make it easier for our team to make sure that we can succeed? Well, that's a great answer. So now you just stimulated another question for me, man. And I'll be really interested in your answer on this. So if I was to say, and again, I don't have any data behind this, so this is just me spitballing. If I was to say high value activity, number one for a salesperson are conversations with prospects. You know, I don't care what the context is. First conversation, demo conversation, follow up, but, but you know, live conversations with customers. What would you say high value activity number one is for a sales leader? Whew, that's a good one. Yeah. I'm just, like I said, like yeah. you just made me think of that as I was listening to you. You know, I would, um, I still think it is, is making sure that you have a, a success plan in place for your entire team. Oh, I um, love that. Because, so you, you know, you can sit there and say, man, I, I just need to go get in front of more customers. Again, you can't scale that way. You can't yep. get a high-performance team if you try to do it all yourself. Even your sales team, your, your sales leaders can't do that. You have to have a team that's able to do it. And if you don't have a plan in place to help get them there, um, you'll, you'll never, ever reach the goals and success that you want to. Okay, well, that's a perfect place to change. You just to shift the topics now because you just talked about building a high performance team, yeah. uh, and so I, I really can't wait for this because you've been able to do both ends of the question I'm about to ask you, Mike. Okay. I, I believe that getting into high growth mode is one thing, and staying a high growth team is a completely different thing. Uh, you were able to, you know, participate in both getting into high growth mode and now staying there. Yeah. Which do you think is harder? And then can you share why? You know what? Um, I, I think staying there is probably harder. Um, and, and here's, here's why, because you can put together a plan. If you, if you've got the right solution and the right ideas and you've got the right team together, you can build, um, whatever widget it is, right? That you know, you can go out and sack the market and go have great success early on. But to be able to take that success and do it the next year and the next year and the next year, that's when it gets hard because there's no doubt about it. There's people get tired. I mean, I, I have to admit, like I said, I've been carrying a bag a long time. The bag gets heavy after a while, right? And sometimes <laughs> that's, a, you know, so you have to be able to have that energy. You have to have that positive attitude all the time. And, uh, but, but, and, you know, the third thing, like I said, you have to have that plan. If you're missing one of those three, um, you know, the, the thing starts falling apart. And uh, um, so to be able to sustain all three of those things is usually the hardest thing. And I'll, I'll leave it at that right now. All right. That's, that, that makes tons of sense because a lot of times when you get into that start mode, you know, I don't know if you know Sam Jacobs, he uh, runs the sales hacker podcast. We were speaking and he told me, he's like, you know, Rob, I think that getting to that first $5 million, there's just so many people that can get that because early adopters, early ideas, you know, like the people with the, the low hanging fruit. Right. It's like, man, it's, it's when you get into that next phase and you can shift and get to the rest, that's when you really know if yeah. you've built a system rather than just worked hard. Right. It's, it's, again, it's the plan, the process, right? You, you talk about, I mean, there's great coaches that are out there that have quote the process in place, right? And, and you have to create the same thing in, in your company and your team. And that's what you do. You can talk to my, my sales guys and, and gals. They, they all know I'm a huge Cubs fan, right? And, uh, and Joe Madden, their, their manager has a process and he follows that process. He says, if you do the process, it doesn't matter. The result is going to be a win. 
And it's the same thing that we do here. If we do all the right things, starting from our first conversation to a customer all the way to the end, the result is going to be a one deal. And that's, that's the most important thing. It's not starting off saying, I got to go win this deal, right? You'll never yeah. get there. It's about doing all the things up to that. That's going to, that's going to equal success. Now I'll be the first to say, we don't always do it right. I mean, or we'd win every deal, right? And I, I continue to change and we have to change and we have to tweak the process. We have to cheat, treat, uh, uh, tweak the plan because man, the market changes, people change, products change, whatever it is, you have to be nimble. And, uh, um, and again, like I said, I, I, we're not perfect, but you have to be able to have that open. And that kind of, you know, you talked about the pedestal later, get off the pedestal, sit down in the, you know, get down in the ditch with your team and start spending time with them in the field. And they're going to learn what's going on out there. And when you do that, then you can go back and you can say, okay, now this is the stuff I got to change if we're going to make that easier. Let me ask you a question about the pedestal now that you brought it up. Why do you think so many sales leaders get stuck on that, that pedestal, Mike, in your experience? You know, that's a, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I, Cause know, I know you're not there. I've watched how you lead your team. So I, well, you've, you've intentionally chosen not to do that. Well, it's, it's, I mean, I think it can be easy because you, you put a lot of time in, man. And, and, you know, back in the days of driving down the road, you've got miles on your car, you're, 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 you're knocking on doors, the cold calls, whatever it is, you finally get to a point like this. You're like, dang it, I, I can take a breath and let somebody else do it. But you know what? It's not always their turn. It's always your turn. If you're going to be a good sales leader, it's always your turn to drive the next deal. And it's always your turn to make sure that you're doing the right thing for your team so they, they can be successful. Because if you're not, nobody else is. And you can't do it, you know, from the looking from the top down. Sometimes you got to be right there with them. I like that answer. That's a really good answer. In fact, I'm just thinking a lot as I listen to you now about how easy it is for a sales leader to, even if they don't intend for what they do to be pedestal oriented, I, I think a lot of times it's easy for how we engage our reps. Maybe it makes them feel like it is. Like you said something earlier that I noticed, Mike, when you said it's not the Mike Lockhart plan, it's the simplest plan. Right. And little things like that, I think, go a long way in helping a team feel like they're part of a team rather than just, someone working for someone else. Oh man, there's, there's, I mean, my sales team is so freaking awesome. I mean, I, I, they are all better salespeople than I will ever, ever be. And there's no doubt in my mind. And when I go out and I look to hire the next person, the last thing I want to do is hire the next Mike Lockard. Cause I got to hire somebody that's better than Mike Lockard or we will never improve. And so <laughs> everybody on my team is better than me. And I love it that way. All right, so this was awesome. I, and we're doing good on time. I like the pace of this conversation, and I appreciate how just how how rich and how deep your thoughts can be on this. Well, that's I the want... first time anybody's ever said that, Rob. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I'm enjoying this. Um, one of the things that I think our listeners will dig is you have a really unique uh, opportunity to have a perspective that most won't have. Your customers are all part of the Salesforce ecosystem. You help people use. Uh, Salesforce to do a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've seen how great sales orgs use CRM, you know, go from current state to, to better state or go from bad to good or whatever. Anything that top of mind on, on what you've seen the great leaders do as they use, I know that you and I both talk about Salesforce, maybe just in general, how they use that system of record, 
How do you use that effectively? Any best practices that you've seen people say, man, that's, that's awesome. You, you know what? Um, <laughs> there's, there's so many great, pra- uh, uh, great practices out there that, uh, um, that I've seen talking to different customers and things, which is so in my job, what's really cool is I get to get out and get it in front of so many different sales leaders in different businesses and see how those organizations work. And you get new ideas every time you go, which is great, but I'm going to date myself for a second here. My, my biggest, my biggest point I think would be is, man, don't use your CRM or your technology or whatever you use. Don't use it like a Rolodex, right? The last thing you want to do is tell your sales team, Hey, go put all your activities into this cool CRM so that I can track and see what you're doing every day. That's mm. nobody any good, right? So you have to have a CRM tool or a, or a CPQ tool or a process tool, whatever it is. And you've got to be able to say, how am I going to use this tool to better our company and better our process and better my sales team? And at the end, you know, what we spend a lot of time, you know, with, with, uh, with CPQ, right? It's not just about configuring and pricing and quoting deals like that, but it's, it's how are you taking a, a team or a company and making it better for them? So where does the sales process start for that customer? Does it start with marketing and how does that marketing flow into lead flow? And how from that lead flow, how does that flow into, into your customer or into your sales reps database? From that database, how do you market back to them? Now they want to talk to you. What do you do when you have that conversation? What do you, what products and what solutions are you breaking? And how do you break that down into an accurate quote that you know you can repeat and do quickly? And it's going to be accurate and it's going to be discountable and, and approved by your bosses so that everything is done. But the most, what I think is really cool about that too is it doesn't stop there. When you close the deal, it doesn't stop. Your business doesn't stop, right? It's now you take that and say, now how can I take the, the qualified leads that I have and the quotes that I've put together and now start using analytics to say, this is how I have to build the back end of my business. How am I taking that and putting the right inventory information in there? How am I going out and buying things less uh, so that it can save money and be more profitable based on what my forecast and what my quotes are? I mean, that's, that's how companies today can get ahead. It's not just about selling more. It's about using the analytics to make your business better so that at the end of the day, you're more profitable. That's the most important thing. I love that. And you use, this is like the fourth or fifth time you use that, this word I'm about to say. You've referred to process a lot in this conversation that we've had today, yep. an earlier part. And now you just referred to it twice in what you just shared with me now. How often do people understand the process before they try to use a tool like Salesforce to help with it? Or do they usually start with Salesforce without really having thought through the processes? Does, is that important to get one figured out first before you try to use technology to help with it? And it, is that a common mistake? It, it is a common mistake. And, you know, because, I mean, uh, if people will go out and buy Salesforce. They'll buy any, you know, any tool out there because, man, it's, it's really cool, right? And I know I'm going to make my business better. But if you don't have the process down. So, like, for example, one of the things that we do, we have an advisory team that are just, I mean, you, you think I'm smart, man. They're really smart. I'm kidding. I'm not smart. But what it, oh, what dude, it is. You guys are all smart out there. It's a great company. <laughs> They will sit down with our customers over weeks at a time or however long time they, however long they want to spend with us. And we'll sit down with C-level people and then the users and listen to their user stories. We look at the technology and we map all that together and come out with a readout that says, Hey, your leaders want to go here and this is what you're doing. So here's the process and this is the way to get there. And if you have that done and you have that map in place and the rest of it is easy. Right now it's just putting the right, you know, the, putting the hands on keyboards and making the thing sing. And, and once you do that, 
I mean, now you're ahead of the game. You put some change management in so that you know that the investment you make is going to stay and the people, you know, that, you know, even old timers like me will look at it and say, okay, this makes sense. I'm going to start doing it this way. It's a lot more easy. And that's how you continue to improve your business. So when you talk about process, that's, that's what I'm, what I'm saying. Yeah, I love that because one of the things that I believe and we built our company on comes to, you've talked about sports. I, I'll take any sports analogy, even if it's a Cubs one, uh, as a Dodgers fan. Yeah, you're um, me, <laughs> um, it's, it's a great, it's a great, um, it's a great sports mind. Tom House, he was a pitching coach and he's now a quarterback coach to people like Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. And he said, to, uh, my son got to work out with him once and I listened and recorded a lot of what he said. He said something that I thought had everything to do with sales and you're reminding me of it right now, Mike. But he said, if process is good, success is inevitable. But if yeah. process is weak, success is unsustainable. And he was talking about the throwing process, but I think that has everything to do with anything that's process oriented. And in sales, if our process or leadership, if our process or in rolling out technology, if our process is strong, we can expect success. Back to your yeah. Cubs, Cubs quote, right? Yep. Um, but if it's weak, best we can have is like we got lucky, right? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, for like, for example, I've got on my wall in my office right now, um, some pictures and some of them are, are, uh, with Joe Madden sayings on it. One of them is, is very simple. It says, it says, the more freedom, the more freedom given, the greater respect and discipline returned. So if you have a process in place and you can step back and let your sales team use that process, but yet use their own skills to make it their own, um, you're going to get a better return. You're going to get better respect. You're going to get more discipline because they know what's going to work. And at the end of the day, you get more deals. And that's what it's all about. Perfect. That's a great way to wrap that up. That's a good couple of tips on, on how to use tools. I love that. So I, I want one more question and then we're going to get into the rapid fire. I, I can't believe time's going as, as fast as it has, but I, I, I really like your thoughts on this. We've talked about this before and I'm, I'm excited for your, what you'll share with me on this one. Okay. As sales leaders, we sign up. Now you're, you're the, you're the chief revenue officer at, at a ridiculously fast growing company. Yep. You're a global company, thousands of customers. And you sign up when you took that position as chief revenue officer, you took the position that you're responsible for what the scoreboard says. Is that fair to say? That is fair. Yes. Okay. So we all know that we're running to the scoreboard and that it freaking matters. So I'm going to take that off the table and say scoreboard matters. Now I'm going to go besides the scoreboard, Mike, how do you know if you're having impact as a sales leader? You know, you can't just say, well, we're hitting our goal. Are there any other ways that you know you're having an impact with the members of your team? Yeah. Uh, you know what? Um, you you always want to say with with sales, we're all coin operator, right? So that's important. But but I I really think you know, presidents club qualifiers are important. I think attrition rate is important. But but none of those are really important when it comes to are you making an impact? And I know if I can take ten, even if it's ten minutes, and sit down with one of my reps, and we could talk about their sales career or what's next for them. How do they improve? in what they're doing and they want to spend time to get better at what they do and they want to see what's next in sales because to to me that's the biggest the biggest impact i can make for them and it's usually the biggest impact on me that means i've done something right today and and i absolutely love that you know so many people out there in the world today think that oh a sales job who wants to be a salesperson right but it has been the greatest job i've ever had and i wouldn't change it for a minute I mean, it is, it is the most, I mean, rewarding and, and stressful and challenging, but it is the, I, I just absolutely love it every day. And so if I can sit down with one of my reps and talk about it, dude, that's, 
it, to me, I just, I just made it. I love that. That's a really good answer. I ask that question to a lot of people and, and I get a lot of different answers and, and that's a really good answer. Is it hard to create the kind of relationships where you really can have that kind of a conversation? I mean, a lot of reps sometimes might feel like, are you really genuine? How do you create that kind of an authentic relationship where you can do that? It, it, it is, it's, it's not easy. I mean, because first of all, we're all out there chasing it and, and, uh, and working every day. Right. And uh, to find the time to do those things. I mean, at the end of the day, we want to spend time with our families and nobody wants to talk to my clocker after six o'clock. I mean, or after seven or after eight, whatever time it is. Right. But, yep. um, but it's, uh, so it is hard to do that. And, um, but I really think if you, if you put time in your coaching, uh, you know, you and I have talked about this. I mean, if you, if you spend time weekly and monthly with your teams and, and again, I, I'm not perfect. I need to do it more, but if you could take the time to just have those conversations, it makes such a huge difference. It really does. Great answer. Thanks for sharing it. Yep. So we're starting to wrap up, man. We're going to get into the rapid fire section. We've got three questions uh, that we like to wrap up everything with. And I can't wait to hear your answers on these ones. Um, because I, I just love what you've built and I, I've enjoyed getting to know you. And, and I'm such a, such a fan of, of the way that you've built a, a high performing team at Simplest. So you ready for these three? Ready? All right. I'm ready. Okay. Number one, or I should say number three, we're going to go three, two, one, three. What's your biggest leadership challenge that you've had to face and, and how'd you face it down? How do you, how do you attack it? Man, I would, I would say the biggest challenge is a little bit what we talked about earlier about thinking that I could do all do it all myself. And that was a big, that was a big challenge to change that because I sometimes have been said that I have kind of a control problem. So, so that was a big one for me to change. But part of that also to get another one is forecasting. It did mm. that. That is a hard job. And for any salesperson out there, when you sit down in front of a rep and they say, Oh yeah, this deal is closing this month. And yep. it's a coin flip is, are you believe, do you believe them or don't you? And that's where it gets back again to that process. Are they doing the right things? Yep. So it took me a while to figure that out. But yes, those are probably the fast. Those are the most challenging things. Those are two big ones, dude. I was just asked to write an article for Sales Hacker on for, on pipeline reviews because forecasting is so big. Oh. I, you're right. I call it Dirty Harry syndrome, where you're on the other end of the gun and say, "Do you feel lucky, punk?" Well, yep. do you? And you're right. Too often we're guessing, and, and on the other end, your reps feel like, "Man, I got you know this gun pointing at me. I'm doing my best." And so I, you're right. That's a big one to learn. And I think that the earlier you are in your leadership career, the harder both of those are. But I'd say that even forecasting is harder as a rookie. So, yep, no doubt about it. All right. Number two, this is one that has been, you're actually the first one that we're asking this to. This came from our, our listeners at common request, popular demand. We're adding this. Okay. They okay. want to know from these great sales leaders like yourself, what's your favorite interview question when you're interviewing salespeople? When you're looking for people on the team, what's like one of your go-to questions that helps you know if they're a good fit? Okay, well, let me start that by saying one of the things that I, I always make sure I, I, before I sit down to an interview, I make sure I go through it in my own head. To me, what's the most important attributes that this person should have for this role? Whether it's competitiveness, detail, super freak, you know, teamwork, whatever it is, right? I come up with that. But for me in a sales position, it's always about being competitive. And so um, one of the questions I always ask is, and I hate giving this out because now people are going to be ready for me, but I, I always say, tell me about a time when you were losing and tell me about what you did to succeed. Awesome. So, and, and I love to hear that. I mean, I don't care if they have to go back to high school wrestling 
or whatever it is. I want to hear about an, a very specific example because when, when people start telling examples about something that they've lived through, and you can really get some great in-depth um, analysis of, of what that individual is. And you can really ask some great probing questions. And also, you can tell if they're just BSing you also. When you start doing <laughs> that, and, you know, they tell, you know, they give you that nice fluff answer. Nope. I want to know exactly details. What did you do? Tell me the role you played. Who did you who did you beat in the competition? You know, all those things like that. And you can really dig into it. So that's my favorite question. That is an awesome one. I I. I love that. I can, I can, I, this is going to be a popular question, uh, thing that we put on our show. I can see why our guests, I mean, why our, our listeners have asked for it. That's, thank you for getting us off on the right foot on that, Mike. That's awesome. Last thing, we found that leaders are often readers and I don't care if it's regular books or audibles or whatever. The great leaders never stop trying to learn what's next. Yep. And, and in our profession, cause I'm with you, you think that we're in the greatest professional world. I, when you were saying that, man, I was fired up. I was standing up and saluting, uh, you, man, when you were doing that. Cause I, I, I agree. We're in the greatest profession. Okay. And the ones who are great, we have not stopped learning. So what should they be reading or listening to any of those? You know what? Um, the, the last, uh, the last book I read was, uh, was called high performance habits and, uh, um, it's a great book. Um, I really enjoyed it. The the areas that I enjoyed most in that book, I would have to say, are probably um, two areas. One is sustaining success, which is we talked about earlier in this podcast, right? It's about it's about once you get there, man, how do you not mess it up? <laughs> and that's important. Um, but the other area I thought is is really important in that in that uh, book was talking about seeking clarity. And hmm. in the world today, I mean, and I, I'm guilty of this all the time. I come up with some really hairbrain ideas. If I had any hair left, I would tell you that's where they keep it, but I don't. But it's the fact is, is that, you know, you could come up with great ideas, but if you don't have some clarity behind that and how that fits into the plan and exactly the steps you want to do to, to, uh, for that idea, um, you're going to have problems. You know, one of the things we do here at Simplest is, and this is, um, you know, uh, Ryan's idea from the start is we have a playbook, a quarterly playbook. And, uh, you know, very, everybody in the company, sees this. We talk about it in meetings. It's very specific. So everybody in the company knows where we're going. They have great clarity on what our next steps are. We talk about why we exist. We talk about what we do, our values. And then we also talk about what's the most important this quarter. And then we also have the most, uh, uh, the KPIs that we're tracking. We put our goals out there so we can talk about them weekly and everybody knows exactly where we're at. So when you're, everybody's has that clarity into where we're going man, the, the journey is much easier. That is really, really good. I love it, man. This has been fantastic. I, I can't believe that uh, we're, we're running out of time. This is It's gone super fast. You're awesome, Mike. Congratulations to your success. Thank you so much for joining us. How do our listeners get more of you? How do they get more of Mike? How do they get more of Simplis? You know, how do they you know, keep the conversation going for those that are so inclined? How do we do that? Well, I mean, any, any way. I'm happy to give out my cell phone number. You can hit me on LinkedIn. Um, you know, at, at simplest.com. I mean, any way you want to go, just, uh, just let me know. Um, and I'll, I'll be happy to put the information out there. So, um, I love talking to, to, to sales leaders. I love talking to people that are thinking about getting into sales. I mean, I don't care if you're a college student right now and you're thinking about doing this and carrying a bag, dude, let's talk. Cause, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a great career and, uh, happy to talk with anybody out there about it. All right. His name is Mike Lockhart. He is the man that has the plan. He stays off that pedestal and he has helped build one of the highest performing, fastest growing consultative sales teams in the world right now. Mike Lockhart, Chief Revenue Officer of Simplis. 
Thanks for joining us, my friend, and happy selling. Thank you, Rob. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? I hope you enjoyed having Mike on. As most of you know, at Exvoyant, we do everything inside the Salesforce ecosystem. Simplis is also a company that's really committed to the Salesforce ecosystem. And I've had the opportunity to see firsthand that they do remarkably good work helping people achieve at least what they wanted to achieve in buying Salesforce. And most of the time, going far past that. I've wanted to have Mike on for a while. I've gotten to know him a little bit. It's been really good to watch how he works. And I wasn't exaggerating. When I met the CEO of Simplis, he looked me right in the eye before we even knew each other very well. And he said that they had a Cadillac sales team. And as you get to know Mike, you can see why. There's a lot of things that Mike talked about. I loved his kind of his big three or his holy trinity of things that, that were in his blueprint. And there are things that I think were awesome. Like he said, don't come off as a leader. And Diagnose before you prescribe, that whole listening thing. And then culture. I loved his statement on culture. It was one of the best definitions I've ever heard where he said culture is a subset of all the things you do. It starts with how you listen, goes to how you engage, how you hold people accountable, all of it. Uh, and it included his commitment to saying, I'll tear down anything. And I hope you heard the passion in his voice when he's like, there's nothing I won't tear down. But I want to talk for a minute about, you know, as I listen to Mike, um, it really spoke to me, this concept that you've heard me talk about before. It's a, it's a leadership concept that comes from my mentor, Gary Rhodes. Great leaders stay off the pedestal because they know that leaders on pedestals make easy, easy targets. And I continue to see so many leaders that put themselves up on that, on that pedestal. It, 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 I know why. I mean, it's, 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 it's easy to understand why that happens. And part of it's, we're in this social media world where we're trying to build brands. But I hear a lot of people like Josh Braun, for instance, say, hey, when you say that you're the world's best or you're the number one at this or you have really you know, big claims, it's hard for people to take you seriously sometimes. In fact, when you put yourself on that pedestal, it's easy for people to want to knock you down. And I know firsthand because I've been the dude that has put myself up on the pedestal. The reason I'm so sensitive to this principle is I had to work really, really hard. And I continue to work really, really hard to try and balance um, how do you be authoritative and, and have insight and, and things that you've used a career to become expert in, but do it in a way that makes people want to follow you and want to implement it. And, and as I listened to Mike, I was reminded of John Maxwell's Five Laws of Leadership. If you haven't read Maxwell's Five Laws of Leadership, I would highly, highly recommend it. And he talks about these five levels, not laws, five levels of leadership. Apologize. And I think that Maxwell's right. Most leaders are only level one leaders. And there's five P's. And level one is positional leadership, where you are followed because they have to. You have the title. You're the VP of sales. You're the regional manager. You're the team leader. So you have the positional leadership, and people follow you because they have to. And that is a fledgling level. And unfortunately, most leaders don't ever really get past that. And the biggest reason is this concept of, Leaders on pedestals make easy targets. Uh, there's a really big reason why sales has such a high turnover rate. 
It's, it's because we're in a place where most of the salespeople today, they value coaching and development above all else. And most leaders haven't really cracked the code how to do that. And so I loved listening to Mike talk about that and really talked, he said it several times, he talked about the importance of the individual success plan. What's the success plan for every single rep? I, I'm reminded of a, of a leader, a really good sales leader that once told me that he was one of the, he, he believed they had a great coaching culture. And when he, I asked him, why do you think that? He said four reasons. Number one, we talk to everybody all the time. Every week, every day, whatever, we talk to them all the time. Number two, I know every deal. Number three, um, I think we're going to hit our goal. And number four, we don't have a turnover problem. And while all those things are good things, none of them have anything to do with coaching or development. And so I would ask you to stop for a second and ask yourself, do I know what the success plan is for every rep on my team? Now, you can't do them all by yourself if you are the chief revenue officer, but if you are a team leader or a team manager, you better know what the plan is for each person. And if you are the head of all sales, you better make sure that each team member has an individualized success plan for each person. And that's your only way of knowing that you're going to have that intentional improvement that's going to drive things in a way that will have people be excited for what happens at your organization. We've brought you lots of leaders on this show that really talk about the importance of creating individualized plans. I really like how Mike did it in this week's episode. And he really summed it up at the end when I asked, what's your biggest leadership challenge that you've had to overcome? Or I'm sorry, when I asked, how do you know if you're having impact as a leader? And he said, if I can really have open conversations around how people can intentionally improve. And if you can create that kind of relationship, I, I probed a little bit on that. If you go back and listen, and Mike agreed, those are hard. It's hard to get the relationship to that level because you have to earn that. That's based on trust. They have to really believe that when you have those conversations, the only motivating uh, force for that conversation is your genuine interest in them actually improving, not I hope that they hit their number. So please, please, please go back and listen to this one a couple of times. I hope that you can follow Mike's blueprint and you can create these authentic relationships that will get you past John Maxwell's level one of, of uh, positional leadership and can get you to level two where it's permission-based leadership. Uh, there's five levels. Permission-based is when people follow you because they want to. And you need to get to that level as fast as you can. And as you then progress in your leadership journey, you can get to that pinnacle level, which I would, again, uh, advise you to go look at that. This is going to be the thing that will help you go up a notch. This is the thing that will help you become the Cadillac sales team like Mike's created. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please continue to reach out with recommendations for guests. Uh, I hope you enjoy that we've put the favorite interview question uh, into the, the show now. And as always... Don't worry, just execute, because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exploit the modern sales leadership platform for Salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.